Kalina? Kalina Kalina back a long time ago. So we're really uh, grateful that her and Elvis are both here in our community and excited for what God has called them to do as a family. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, Isaiah chapter 41. So this week, usually, if this is your first time here, what we usually do is we take a book of the Bible and we just study it straight through. We're in the Gospel of Mark right now. Uh, but this past week, over the past couple weeks, there's been this, this message that the Lord has really laid on my heart and several of your hearts. And as we prayed and I've been praying, I feel like today is the day that He wants to speak that to us. And so we're going to be in uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verses 17 through 20. So back in 2008, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in 2008 there was this worldwide uh, stock market crash that affected all the economies of the world. And whenever that happened, what we saw is that some of the most wealthiest people in the world began to actually take their own lives. And then now, in 2020, we've seen a worldwide pandemic. That's touched everyone from the wealthiest of people to the poorest of people. And it's easy because we live in Taiwan. How many of you guys feel this way? It's almost like you live inside of a bubble. Because Taiwan, thank God, we've done an incredible job. So life is almost normal here. But it's really easy to miss, I think, sometimes, and to see how God is really shaking things up in the world. And then at times like this, God begins to lay bare, or to allow us to see the things that we've trusted in, or the things that we've looked to, to give us satisfaction. You know, every single one of us, if we're a Christian or not, all of us are seeking something to give us satisfaction, to give us happiness. And I know that all of us have had this experience where you've wanted something so bad, if it's a relationship or a thing, you've gotten that thing, and then usually what happens is you're disappointed because it wasn't enough. And I believe the Lord wants to speak to us this afternoon about that exact thing. And so would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? We're going to read it first in Chinese this week. And then we'll read it in uh, English. Alright, so in Chinese, Yi, 
们的舌头一同得了干燥，火焰的话必应允他们。我以色列的神必不离弃他们。我要在光秃的高处开辟江河，在山谷之间开辟泉源。我要使旷野变为水池，使干地变成水泉。我要在旷野种上香柏树、皂荚树、番石榴树和野橄榄树。我要在沙漠中栽种松树、杉树和黄杨树，好叫人看见了就知道，思想过就都明白。这是耶和华的手足做的，是以色列的圣者所造。All right, English says together. One, two, three. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I will answer them. I am the Lord, the God of Israel. I will not abandon them. I will open rivers on the barren heights. And spring to the middle of the plains. I will turn the desert into a pool, and dry land into springs. I will plant cedar, acacia, myrtle, and olive trees in the wilderness. I will put juniper, elm, and cypress trees together in the desert, so that all may see and know, consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created. Free sit down. Let's pray together. Where you sit or stand, it doesn't matter. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Lord, we believe that your word has power. And God, we recognize that in every single one of us, we're seeking after something. And God, by your grace, you allow us to see our need so that we might see you as our Savior. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, our understanding to your word this afternoon. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can see it. Alright, so now Isaiah 41.、Uh, Isaiah is prophesying to this group of people. And as I. And Isaiah is speaking to two types of people. The first is the Jews at this time were actually in captivity in a place called Babylon. And, and, and while they're in Babylon, Babylon is a place of plenty. I mean, they've conquered basically the known world. They have wealth. They have riches. And the Jews are living there at this time. And yet, as God looks at this, He says this in verse seventeen. He says, "The poor and the needy seek water." That, that what Isaiah, what God is saying through Isaiah, is that every single person, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, is seeking after this thing to fulfill us, this thing to satisfy us. 所以看到，不论你是从什么样背景出来的人，你都是在寻求一个可以满足你的资源。And I want you to think, even to yourself, what is it for you where you say, "Man, if I had this, or if this would happen, then I would be happy, then I would be satisfied." What is that for you? 你有没有想过，就是当你口里面说着啊，我只要有这个东西，我就可以得到满足，我只要有这个就够了。As we look at even our community in Lincoln, we see that 91,000 people in Lincoln don't know Jesus. That means that 91,000 people in our community are looking after water, looking after something. So, even in our Lincoln, this place, 
哦，我们有九万一千人的人口，他们不认识神，他们在寻找一个什么？他们一直在找这个生命的活水，却没有找到。C.S. Lewis says this. He says that creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. C.S. Lewis 这个人呢，他说，如果能够满足他们渴望的这个事物，它是不存在的。那这些生物，他们受造出来就不会有这些渴望。He said, a baby feels hunger. There's food. 举例来说，婴儿他感觉到肚子饿，就是会有食物的存在。And so he says this. He says, "If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world." So, 同样的道理，如果说我在这世界上所有的一切我寻求过了都没有办法满足我，那么很可以推测出来，就是我其实是为了另外一个世界而造。And as Isaiah is prophesying this to people, these are people that have stuff. They have wealth. They have idols. They have success, and yet when God looks at that, He actually calls them poor and needy. Isaiah 是说预言的这些对象，他们住在一个这么富裕、那么充足的一个环境里面。神看着他们说：“你们这些困苦贫穷的人，你们是有需求的。” As we live in Linko, it's, I think it's real easy at times to feel like in Linko there's really not a lot of need because it's a very successful. It's usually a very affluent place that we live in. 住在林口的我们呢，有时候就会觉得，其实我们生活也是很不错啊，很充足啊，好像也没有真的需要什么特别的需求。But God says, He says, He looks at your success, He looks at your material possessions, He looks at your accomplishments and mine, and He says, compared to what I have, compared to my abundance, you're poor, you're needy. 但神却说，看着你所有一切的成功，你的财富的成就，所做到的这些事情，可是。And so Isaiah says, "The poor and needy seek water." There's this thing that we all want, but there's a problem, isn't there? So Isaiah 说这里说到这些贫穷困苦的人呢，他们寻求水，可是却找不到。所以这里有一个问题出来了。In verse 17, he says, "They seek for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst." 他们是在寻求这个水源，可是他们却找不到，所以他们口干舌。Right, the worst thing in the world is for you and I to be like one of the worst things in the world is to be thirsty to want something. You go to a place and there's no water. 最惨的一个状况就是，当你真的口干舌燥到一个地步，你想要找水喝，想要找你渴望的那个东西，却找不到。Especially in Taiwan at this time of year, it's like you walk for five minutes outside and you are dying of thirst. And I think the worst thing is to go somewhere and find out you don't have any water. 尤其是在台湾这种热的天气，然后夏天你走出去，汗流浃背的，然后找不到水喝，真的是很渴。And what God is saying through Isaiah is saying it's the same thing that every single person is thirsty, every single person is hungry, but everything that we seek after outside of Christ, He says it leaves us thirsty, hungry, it doesn't satisfy. 所以以赛亚书也让我们看到，我们所寻求、所渴慕的，我们想要的那个东西，我们。I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we probably thirst after. It could be approval, success, material things. There are these things that we're seeking after that we want. 人们渴望的呃得到的东西有像是人们的认同或者是我忘记了。呃 ，there are the things that we're seeking after fulfill us. 就是那些想要满足我们的成就这些事物。And I believe there's some people in here. I know there are that people in here that you've looked for job after job, or relationship after relationship, or thing after thing. And what happens is you leave disappointed, still thirsty, still seeking. 
，有些人他们就是一个工作换了一个工作，一个感情又换了一个感情，他们一直在找一个他们所渴慕的，可是却找不到，还是一直在找。Because here's the thing about those things outside of Christ, God calls them idols, and, and the problem with idols is that they always overpromise but underdeliver. So, in the world outside of God, what we are looking for is idols. So, for example, you might just really want approval in your life. You just want people around you to see you as successful, to see you as as respectable. 举例来说呢，有一些人就是很希望得到别人的肯定，很在意别人的眼光，希望别人看自己就是成功的，很有成就。But but I, I guarantee most likely because I've had this experience that that you've been in another situation with other relationships, you wanted the same thing, you got it, but it wasn't enough. 或者有另外一些人，他们就是在一些关系里面，他们渴慕呃有某种程度的关系，结果进入了那个关系里面，却发现。And so now you're in a new community or new relationships, and you're wanting the exact same thing. What God is saying, what Isaiah is saying, is water cannot be found there. Then you just jump to the next community, trying to build a new relationship, trying to find the exact same thing. You're still looking for the connection. Success and fame and riches, it can't be found there. Actually, here's a great quote from one of the most successful artists. Her name is Madonna. 所以成功跟财富这些东西都没有办法让你找到你所要的这个资源。然后有一个很有名的歌手叫马丹娜。Not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination. She's not a believer. 她不是一个基督徒。But there's a really interesting insight into her life. 但是呢，她对于她的生命有一个很独特的见解。I mean, this is a lady who has experienced fame and success on a worldwide stage. 大家都知道马丹娜，她是一个非常有名、有成就的一个。And she said the thing that drives her to do everything that she does. She says, "She says this. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre." I mean, that really explains a lot of the stuff that she's probably done. That explains a lot of the stuff that she's tried to do. Because can you imagine? You have this success on a worldwide stage. You've traveled the world. You get back, and you have this sense: it's not enough. Like there's got to be more. And so you do it more. You do greater things, and you try harder. But the Lord says here. He says that the problem is, is water cannot be found there. Our Jeremiah two thirteen. So the Bible says, it says, "My people have committed a double evil. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water." And so, can you imagine that you have this bucket has this big hole in the bottom, but you keep pouring water in, thinking that you know at some point I know there's this huge hole, it's going to keep draining out, but I'm going to continue to try and just fill it up and fill it up. That's how God describes us seeking things to satisfy us outside of Christ. This image is like you have a bucket, but the bucket below you know there's a hole, but you still have to keep pouring water in, but the bucket is still filled with water. And so the Lord responds to this neediness. He sees us. He sees the problem, and He's going to respond. 
In verse 17, this is the good news. God Himself says, I will answer them. This word will means to establish, to confirm, to create. It's something that God is going to do in and of Himself. And if you follow the rest of the passage, there are six things that God says He will do. But the first one, if you look with me, in verse 17, He says, I will answer them. Alright, now, now this is amazing because how did these people, how do we get in the situation that we're in, being thirsty, seeking after these things? I mean, how are these guys in exile in the first place? Because their own rebellion, right? Because of our own sin, because we seek after things apart from Christ to fill us. That's how we get in the situation that we're in. But does God respond by saying, you know what? You screwed up. You messed up. You, good luck. You go find water. You know what? You go dig the holes. You go do it yourself. No, he actually says, I myself will answer them. If you look at your Bible, the word answer, we're going to come back to it, but this word answer is packed with meaning. And it's a word that means this. It's a completed action that has ongoing, unfolding results. So if you can imagine, it's like someone that writes you into their will and says, listen, I've decided right now that I'm going to write you in and when I die, all my money is going to be left to you. And even though it's decided, every year you keep getting blessed by this person's decision. So what God is saying is what I'm about to do, like what I'm going to tell you I'm going to do, I'm going to do it, but it's going to have ongoing, continuous, unfolding results in your life. So he says, I'll answer them. I will answer them. And God is comparing himself to the other idols that they worship, knowing that the idols have no ability to answer this desperate cry. Only God can. And so he says, I will answer them. The second thing that God says is he says this in verse 17, I'm not going to abandon them. I will not abandon them. This is incredible because the people have already abandoned God, right? They've already turned their back on God. And yet God says that I will not abandon my people. And we, and we know that God is committed to not abandoning his people so much that he's willing to send his son to die for you and me on the cross. 
that in the midst of rebellion, in the midst of idolatry, God says, I'm not going to abandon you. And so for you and I, we need to hear this. We need to believe this. But even in your darkest moment, if you are in Christ, Christ says to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In verse 18, this is the third thing. He says, I will open rivers on the barren heights and springs in the middle of the plains. I what should be sticking out to you is that the name Barren Heights should mean that's not a place where there's going to be a fountain or there's going to be a spring of water, right? And so what God says is this, where there's been a reputation for dryness, where there's been a reputation of being a desert, I'm actually going to come and I'm going to make it a place where, where pools and springs and fountains come. The fourth I will, he says, I'll turn the desert into a pool and dry land into springs. And the big picture, what God is trying to allow us to see is, what I, what I love about this passage is that we see that God's answer to our neediness isn't just a little bit. Like if you guys ever been to, usually these are like expensive restaurants and you're hungry and you pay a lot of money for something. This happened in Taiwan once. And, and they come back and they bring you like this little bitty, like the smallest piece of food, right? And in this restaurant, they even actually came with like a little bitty fork. It was probably like smaller than my pinky. And I'm thinking, what? Like this is what I paid for? I'm hungry and this is what you give me? Just go to 7-Eleven, right? You always get your fill there. And this is exactly the opposite. If you see what the Lord does, He says you're thirsty, but I'm going to give you abundantly more than what you need. Fountains, rivers, pools, not an empty bucket, but continuous, ongoing action. <laughs> so basically what God is saying is His answer to our neediness is abundance. Yeah. And if you go on in verse 18 and verse 19, he says this, he says, I'll plant cedars in the wilderness, I'll put juniper trees in the desert. And what God is showing us is He's saying the same thing. In places that should be fruitless, I'm going to come and I'm going to make them fruitful. That God has this supernatural power through the gospel 
To make things that have a reputation for being dead come alive. Things that were a desert be turned into a place that has a fountain and, and water. And as you read this, I was I was really encouraged because if you've been a missionary in Taiwan long enough, you'll hear that Taiwan has this reputation. The Taiwan has this reputation that it, that it's hard, that that you know not a lot happens. It's really hard to allow you know traditional Taiwanese to really understand Christianity. It's it's a hard place. And what God would say to that? So I can take a place like that. I can take a place that has a reputation for being hard. And I can turn it into a place that is known for sending out missionaries and pastors and church planters and a revival and renewal can come to this place. And he says this in verse 20. Why does he do these things? Why does the supernatural power of God exist? What is it, what is it for in verse 20? He says, so that everyone may see and know, consider, and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. That when we look at the activity of God, what we want to be a part of, every single one of us, what we want to be a part of is, is something that we can step away and say, wow, God did this. We see here in verse 20 that God's answer, we're going to talk about what that is, but God's ultimate answer is not just a message to be proclaimed, but it's an act to behold. That I want, I want us to, to, to know that God's answer in the gospel is a full answer for a full person. Like a total answer for a total person. We can see it, we can, we can, we can use our mind to understand and consider. And so God says this is what, he, what He's going to do in order that He might receive glory. You know, one pastor commented recently, I was listening to a podcast, and he said, when you look at the Bible, the darker the place is, the more supernatural the ministry becomes. These are all the stories that some of us probably grew up with. You have Moses in Egypt, you have Daniel in Babylon, and you have all these people, even in the book of Acts. These are things in dark places where you see the power of God. Alright, so so what does this mean? So what? So what? So what that God says, I see your neediness, 
And I'm going to answer your neediness with this great power. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Means two things. Number one. That if you and I, if we want to see a real renewal in our hearts, if we want to see a renewal in Taiwan, in the nations, it means that God's answer to our great need is His great power. So it means this, Isaiah 55, 1 through 2, this is what Isaiah says. Come, everyone who's thirsty, come to the water and buy without silver. Come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without silver, without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choices of foods. That means as we as we really see the need in our community, the need in our hearts, it's not going to be a program, it's not going to be a single person. What God is saying is his answer to that is his great power and his power alone. And so where do we see God's perfect power revealed? Where do we see His ultimate answer? It's Jesus, right? Colossians 2.9 says this, for the, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Uh, Colossians 1.19-20 also says this, for, for God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him reconcile everything to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. That as you look at God's answer to our neediness, the answer that we thirst after water, He says, I'm actually going to come to you myself. If you look at all these other, other people like Gandhi or Lao Tzu or, or, or even Muhammad or, or Buddha, what they do is they'll say, well, I, I can show you how to get to the water. And they'll say, well, in order to get to the water, usually you have to live a certain way, do certain things, and you're going to find your way there. I'm going to teach you how to get there. But it's only in Christ. It's only in the gospel that the living water comes to himself. And he comes to us and he says, I'll live inside of you. 
and I'll come to you when there's no possible way that you could actually find it. And so that's what that means, that your, your greatest need is found in God's great power through His great Son. But number two, what does this mean for us? That it really means that for us as City Life Church, if God's answer to this great need that we see around us is the gospel, what that means for us is we've got to completely depend upon the power of God. You know, as you, as you look back at that verse in Isaiah, something that struck me was that there are all these people that are seeking after water and they can't find any. And, and as you look at the world right now, there's 41% of all people groups in the world, 41% of those are completely unreached with the gospel. And so as we look at, at people who are looking for water, but there's none, you have 41% of people groups who are completely unreached. They're looking for water, but there's not even the gospel there where they could actually hear it and believe. And if God's answer to that is the glorious power of the gospel, that means for us as a church, we have no option but complete and total dependence upon the power of God and the power of the Spirit. If we, if we want to be a part of seeing that being met, then it means total dependence for us on the power of God. Several weeks ago, I was, I was just, yeah, just in, the, in my living room praying, and the Lord confronted me and challenged me with this verse. Galatians 3, 3 through 5. This is kind of where we're going to end our time as we look at this verse, but it says this, Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if it in fact was for nothing? So then does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing works of the law, or is it by believing what you heard? I mean, how do you guys know that when you start something, especially if you're a Christian, when you start something and you begin something new, you, you're more aware of, of your need to depend upon God, right? Like when you get married for the first, like when you get married in the very beginning and for the first time, when you get married and you, when you first start out, you know, like, Lord, I need you. Like, what is this? Or you begin a new job and you're thinking, man, this is all a bunch of new relationships. Like, Lord, I got to depend upon you. 
的工作啊，你有新的事情要去完成，你还很菜，所以你需要上帝的帮忙。Or you have a, a new school or, or, or a new church, you need Lord, I gotta depend upon you. If you don't do something, nothing's gonna happen. 开心的学校，开心的教会，你如果不依靠上帝的话，不依靠圣灵的话，你不知道该怎么做。But but it's so easy. It is so easy for us to move from that place. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing God do stuff, and you start thinking you're actually the one doing the work. And what Paul says here in Galatians three says, when you and I operate that way, we think that we can actually take the work of God and begin to actually do it in our own strength. He says it's foolish. 
And they've been praying for this thing and for this place for months, for years. And it was a place that would, would have been known for, for being hard, for not responding to the gospel. And this guy didn't speak any Spanish. And so he goes, uh, he did not speak Spanish. And he goes and he preaches in English, right? And, and, and this is a large event, and he has a translator by his side. And, and all of a sudden, as he begins to preach, he's starting to preach, he looks over, and his translator sits down. And, and, and he looked over, I mean, it would be just the same way, he said, hey, what are you doing? And he says, you don't need me. He said, every word you're speaking is in perfect fluent Spanish. And so many people came to the Lord that day. Why? Why does God do that kind of stuff? So that people will know, see, consider that the Lord is doing this. There's another story of a guy who preached for over 25 years in the same tribe in Africa. 25 years. Every week. He would ask him to come and respond to the gospel. And no one did. I mean, two years into that thing, I would probably be like, oh, this is my gifting, man. <laughs> 25 years. And then one day, he preaches the same message. The whole village responds and comes to Christ. And then they actually go and preach to the other villages. And they come to Christ. And then they go here and plant churches and plant churches all over these places. Because here's the thing. God will not allow His glory to be given to someone else. And so for you and me, we've got to be a people that we're just, we're just all in. We say, we just want to be completely and totally dependent upon the power of your spirit. So that people will look at what's happening. Stories like that. And they'll say, God did that. This is God's power. And what I, what, I, what I love about what Paul is saying and what Isaiah said before is that when we rely upon the power of the Spirit, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets a part to, to have in, in the ministry of the church. I think what, what would be good for us as City Light is to really just have a moment where we just say, Lord, we want to be completely and fully dependent upon the power of your spirit. That we all have neighbors that we know are seeking after. People here are seeking after Christ. And there's no ministry, there's no plan, there's no person that can make that happen. And 
It's only the person of God, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And as, as, as your pastor, I just I want to say that for us, we don't have an option. We want to be a people that are completely, fully bought in, completely dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And then all of you can have stories like that. All of us can be a part of what God's doing in His church and doing in this nation of Taiwan. That several of you recently, I've talked to several of you, some of you have said that you really feel like God is preparing you for something. And I believe that he's preparing you for something because I think he's preparing us for something. God is doing something in and through his church. So guys, as we close, just want to repeat. I want to repeat what we said earlier. That guys, there's a great need. 